Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Father Brandon Dang. Father, welcome to our show. Thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. And Father, before we get started into our program, which is really all about call, I would ask you please to open us with a word of prayer. I think we all could use it. Oh, of course. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, each and every day we listen to your voice and your call to us um, to fulfill our vocation and to understand your holy will for us. But most of all, we give you thanks for the many blessings you bestow upon us. May we wake up each day remembering to be grateful and remembering those blessings and how you continue to um, touch us in many ways and leave your fingerprints uh, along our journey. So we ask you to open our hearts, minds, and souls uh, to your grace and your holy will each and every day. And in this moment, we ask you to bless our conversation and to bless us uh, as we open the word in a certain way. And let us see your graces amongst that as well. And we lift us all through the intercession of St. Joseph and Mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray pray for us sinners, sinners, now now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Yeah, you're welcome. Now, I want to kind of describe you to our listening audience, because they can't see you. And it's kind of interesting to have you walk in. We have a number of priests on, and of course, the, sure. the bishops from time to time. And all of them have white hair. You don't have a single, <laughs> sure. you don't have a single gray, gray strand growing yet. <laughs> yeah, I use a lot of dye. No. I nailed you before we came in. I said, I think you're about 32. Yeah, you got it right on the dot, too. That's pretty you, good. How long have you been a priest, Father? I've been a priest for five years, uh, five years this last June 11th. So and there are several people who think you look 12, I'm sure. I know, right, exactly. <laughs> Some people but, ask me okay, if I'm so a priest. You, you but know? you hold your age well, too, and so it probably is, is all good. But what I find also just the, the cherry on top of this whole thing is you, you've been in charge the last two years mm-hmm. of vocations, yeah. of people who are, who are feeling, are they called to the priesthood? Right. And at first of all, I say, why would you put someone who's only been doing the priesthood <laughs> for only a couple of years in charge of this? And yet, on the other hand, it makes some sense because you have most recently, and in the context of our current world, thought through all the issues, really, or at least a lot of them, mm-hmm. that Probably. most everybody is going to be thinking about if they're called to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Sure. Father, thank you for being brave enough to come up <laughs> and, and <laughs> no, talk about this. But sure. then again, you kind of uh, volunteered for that when you said yes to, to Bishop. Yeah. Let me ask you for just a moment, the call to the priesthood... Mm-hmm. Was for you personally, was this something that you had always thought you were going to do and and you just simply had a, a, a nice measured trek to the the ordination mm-hmm. uh, process or was this something a little different for you? Yeah, well, I'll put it very simply, no, <laughs> it wasn't. Um, but also at the same time, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, how, you know, the bishop has nabbed me for this position for the last two years. I think the one word I can definitely say, along with my vocational call, is surprise. 
when I first again got the call from the bishop, I was definitely surprised. And at first, I was thinking, "Oh my goodness, is it? It's like a call to the principal's office." <laughs> you know? And it Why brought back all bishop these memories, Pauly which we won't go there, you know. But uh, he heard my last sermon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's like running through my mind, what just happened, you know? Um, but you know, of course, the surprise there. But to your question here, Rick, is regarding my call. It was definitely much of a surprise. It wasn't something that. I mean, I don't know if our listeners or you have heard many vocation stories, but at least for me, I remember hearing vocation stories. A lot of it was I thought of it for a long time, you know, growing up or I practice mass, you know, as a kid. For me, it wasn't the case. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Miller wafers, you know. There you go. (laughs) Um, But no, for, for me, it wasn't like that. And actually, a little bit of my family background is half of my family's not Catholic, you know, so my mom... Are they Christian was, or... Uh, so my dad's side's not Catholic and history is Buddhism. Buddhism, okay. And then my mom... What was, country did you did you, your family come in from? Vietnam. Okay. So my parents Buddhism actually... Buddhism very from, heavy in Vietnam. Oh, very much so. Very much so. But my dad wasn't very much practicing Buddhism. Um, and then my mom was a cradle Catholic... But then when the war hit, she came over here. And actually, my parents didn't meet until they came over here. And then they married. But my mom had fallen away from her faith a little bit. And actually, this is a story she shares openly. So We just had the dedication of Our Lady of Levang. Yes. seems that particular community is a rather close-knit group. Yeah. They are going to meet each other over here. Oh, for sure. For sure. And with that close-knit group, that's what really brought her back to the faith. And along with, you know, many other things that were happening in her life. So she found solace and consolation in the faith after, I think, like 10, 15 years after being away from the church. And so she had this huge conversion um, and brought my brother and I in as uh, into the faith and as Catholics. And at the time, I was nine years old. So old the enough dev- to, to really think about it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in the developmental stages, you know, growing up, not really going to mass, but at the same time, at nine years old, it was just all new. And wow, this is pretty amazing. And also just... What a great be- time to be thinking about it, though. Yeah. Maybe about yeah. fourth grade, third grade, something like that. That was around... Third or fourth grade yeah. was when I came into the church, but as priesthood, it didn't come in until way no, later. No, no, but I'm just thinking about when you're first introduced to the Catholic Church at that mm-hmm. particular... I'm yeah. a former principal, so I, I mm. think in terms of okay. child's age. Sure. When you go into fourth grade, they come in still believing in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. <laughs> they leave fourth grade being able to hold an adult conversation, but they haven't learned mm. to abuse it yet. That's mm-hmm. fifth grade. Right. So this is a really interesting time <laughs> sure. for, for someone to really start engaging in yeah. Catholicism. Yeah. It's a time of, of hopeful inquiry and hopeful trust. Yeah, you know, and you brought up a thought there, a memory when, yeah, at that time, everything was so new and and we know how much uh, symbolism and, and beauty and realness in the church. You know, when you go into the church, everything has meaning. Like yeah. from the moment you walk through the doors to the like three steps that you walk into the sanctuary, right? Mm-hmm. So to that little bit of it. So you could just imagine me in the sensory aspect, just being, wow, this sure. is a big church, big building, all these people. We're doing up downs, you know, <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah. And then just all that was so powerful. And I remember uh, the... A whole Eucharistic celebration was something that captured me too. And maybe that was mystical. The, yeah, it was a mystical point in my life. And I mean, I'm not so quick to say, oh, it was the moment of that preached call, but at least oh. the strengthening of the Catholic faith. Because I remember, I remember being like, you know, looking at the priest and as he's consecrating the host and lifting it up, I just remember saying to my mom, actually, it's like, what are you doing with that cookie? You know, no. <laughs> <laughs> I remember saying that to my mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The bit of <laughs> exactly. And then my mom just like I could tell that she, you know, she chuckled a little bit, but she's like, no, no, no. He's turned that into Jesus, you know. And so I was 
like at first I was like, what? And but, a little guy up there. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Is he inside that little thing? You know, but then I just, I think that was the moment for me too. Cause my mom had always been very reverent when it came to the Eucharist. So I think for me to see the value that she put in the Eucharistic oh, yeah. celebration and the Eucharist itself, I think it really rang true for me. So, you know, Catholic Isn't that faith a great was always a testament point. about parental mm-hmm. input. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And actually, that's a big play into vocations, I know, which we'll get into, but that's a big part of it, too, which is an encouragement right, for parents. Families. Don't lose hope out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Keep praying. You know, be St. Monica. And, yes. Um, so, yeah. And going fast forwarding, I didn't really think about that call into, in, not until I reached college when I was 20 years old. Um, at the time, I was pretty involved with the church. I was in altar serving. Well, I was the semi-coordinator for altar serving. I was really involved with my youth group at the time. And actually, it was because of the youth group that I went to this vocations retreat. It was a one-day retreat on a Saturday. Now, now, now let, me, let me slow you down for just sure. a second, Father. Sure. You can't get away that easily. <laughs> right. so, okay. So you skipped all the way through high school. You skipped through pimples. <laughs> yeah. You skipped through dating. You yeah, skipped through right. everything. <laughs> you had a normal childhood, though. You didn't did. have a, a, a significant lingering mm-hmm. desire to be a priest. No. Even if there might have been something in the back of your mind, which you're not even acknowledging right now, even was there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if it was, you didn't know it. Right. And right. so if, when you went through high school, you, you were girl crazy like everyone else, <laughs> although maybe right. a little reserved. Some people can be, but still, sure, yeah. come on, the hormones were raging. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. I mean, I think we'll need another podcast, no, <laughs> The not, Life of Father Brandon, we, we The Gospel to, of Father Brandon. Here. We don't have to <laughs> go to confession here, Father, <laughs> yeah. but, but the, yeah. the bottom line is you had everything normal going in your world. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, in fact, where did you want to go to college? So I wanted to go to college. Cal State Long Beach. I went to Irvine Valley College first, actually. And let me start off with, um, you know, high school. There were two goals in my life. One, it was to be an NBA basketball player. And I'm serious about that. And uh, <laughs> I was just obsessed with basketball. And everybody who knows me and who's close to me knows. So you're I'm still a- grieving over the Olympics right now. Yeah, just a tad, just a tad. Hopefully France, they can really? win a couple more games, you know. But, man, uh, but the competition has definitely it's gotten better does. over the years. It but. Has. But yeah, so I wanted to be a basketball player. I put all my energies into it and I, uh, played for the high school basketball team as well. I went to Elisa Nagel High School, a public school in Elisa Viejo, which is where yeah. I grew up. And also my other aspirations were to be the best, uh, husband and father, you know, to my wife and children. Yeah. And, w- and what that meant was to be successful, have a good job. And just like any average Joe that goes through school, you know, that's what you want. What for, was your uh, career field to be? It was computer engine. Well, at first I didn't, really know. Um, I went to Irvine Valley. See, normal. I am. I, oh, gosh. Yeah, I think everybody can probably sympathize with that. Yeah. So I went in undeclared. And another reason why I went to community college as well, because yeah. I, you know, uh, hearing about the dropout rate, you know, for the first year who are undeclared. So, and at the time, I was just caught up with all this other stuff, high school, you know, stuff, being a high school kid. So I went through the route of um, community college. Okay. So I went to JUCO at Irvine Valley. And the first semester there, I took this career explorations course and uh, helped to kind of see my personality and uh, what my interests were because that's when the MBA dream started to fade a little bit. Um, <laughs> and so I looked into computer engineering 
because on one level it was actually because of the money yeah. and two because my dad was very successful in it so i was just thinking sure. you know maybe my dad can have the it's all about who you know so my dad maybe can you know yeah. hook it up get you started you know, so, yeah get me started and and actually that was what was going on so i was at Irvine valley i was getting ready to transfer to cal state long beach uh, i had the transfer papers in hand i had a girlfriend dating you know, okay yeah so i had a girlfriend at the time we were uh, about a year a little less than a year about a year into the relationship and looked long term as well okay. i mean a lot of times in college you know that's uh, what happens and so everything was already said and even my dad had a an interview lined up for me he's like just get your degree and i'll you know i'll make sure to link you up with people i know so then all of a sudden this then uh, going back to that point about the retreat it was this fateful day on a summer Saturday in the middle of the summer. Okay, and, so wait a minute. You yeah. hadn't even gotten over to Cal State Long Beach. No, not yet. It was that year, basically, I was getting ready to transfer. You know, and and well. who invited you to this retreat? <laughs> That's a story of itself. And, oh, we got to hear that one. Yeah. Because so, there are some of us who will throw breadcrumbs out there. Every <laughs> once in a while, we learn something right. hit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I actually was not planning on going to this retreat at all. It was, like I said, a day-long retreat over at the Vietnamese Catholic Center in Westminster. And I was mentioning I was very involved with the youth group you know, at the time. So... <laughs> It was on a Saturday, so Friday nights, you know what college kids do. I'll leave that for interpretation. Right. And so I get a phone call around 6 in the morning and from one of the uh, youth group kids. And I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, are you kidding me? Who's calling me at 6 a.m. You know, right now? <laughs> I mean, I don't wake up at this time. You know, this is when I go to sleep, you know? And <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, you know, I pick up. I'm thinking it's emergency because yeah. one of my youth group kids just want to make sure. So I pick up the call. And it was one of the group kids, and she said, Brandon, you know, are you going to go to this vocations retreat? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, that was a life and death thing. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to go. She's like, please, please, Brandon, can you go? Because we need a ride. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, so that's the reason why you want me to go. And, that's safer, though. Yeah, right, right. And so out of my great charity and big heart, you know, I end up uh, going out there. And that's how I it. I ended up there. I'm going to stop you for a moment because uh, we're going to then come back Mm -hmm. and talk about how Father Brandon gets married to the church. Sure. Sounds good. Which we will cover when we come right back. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Father Brandon Dang, who is a young priest in our diocese uh, who is also in charge of vocations. And keep listening, and you too might be hooked. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Father Brandon Dang. Hello. And Father Brandon is in charge of vocations for the Diocese of Orange. And Father Brandon is a fairly young priest. You have been a priest for how many years now? Five years, this last year. Five years, early 30s. Mm -hmm. And we interrupted your story right at the moment that you were going to go without any intentions of doing anything other than perhaps <laughs> providing transportation to somebody yes, who right. called you for a ride out of the blue at 6 o'clock in the morning yep. to a retreat that just happened to deal with vocations at the local Vietnamese center yep. here in Orange County. That's okay, so Father Brandon, funny thing happened on the way to dropping somebody off at a, at a vocations retreat. 
Yeah. What happened? Yeah, so I yeah, end up going to the Vietnamese Catholic Center and I just thought, you know, what am I going to do? Just drop off and go back home, you know, and I live in South County, so I might as well just stay and and you know, I do have a great heart for youth ministry and young adults, you particularly didn't the see youth. the storm clouds gathering and the lightning strike, right? <laughs> Nothing yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Or maybe when I was going to pull away or I thought about it, if I pull away, this might happen, yeah. you know? So, um, so I ended up staying actually. And because like I said, I just have a great heart for the youth and sure. you know, that youth group it really means a lot to me. So I ended up staying and we were going through the motions of it. And to be really frank, Rick, it was, Actually, pretty boring, you know. Uh, <laughs> we were, I mean, there's the priest that would, admit I, that. Right, exactly, <laughs> you know, and uh, now I'm a priest, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I went there, and the reason why I was boring, at first it was great because we had praise and worship and everything, but praise and worship at 8 in the morning is kind of like, okay, I need okay. my time to wake up. Yeah, so, would be yeah, 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 exactly, at least, at least yeah. one cup or yeah. two. Yeah. And so well, that was great. And then we went into the stories. Again, I'm not saying the stories were boring, but it just, I didn't connect, you know? So stories were beautiful. Some you weren't very, here for this. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing, you know, I wasn't here for this. Waking up early, I'm tired, yeah. you know, too. So we just trudge along. And then it came to about uh, right before lunch, um, midday ish. We were supposed to get into these small groups and talk about our vocation. Or uh, there was these two questions that were on the, the board there that said, one, what are you doing in your life right now? Like introduce yourself to the group. And two, how do you see God in this? Uh, how do you see God, God's will in your life with what you're doing? So I was like, okay, that's very basic questions. And the, But the second question is pretty deep. But we get into this group. And, how do I see God in this? <laughs> yeah, how, exactly. And actually we get into this group and we were – it was awkward because – None of us really knew each other uh, because I got into the college age group. And this was a range from like basically middle school all the way through, you know, college and adults. So you have this wide gamut of, of people there, most of them young, most of them middle school, high school. So you have a sprinkling of the college age, post-college group. And so we're sitting together and we're not really knowing each other or acquainted with each other. So I ended up breaking the ice and I was like, okay, you know, we're just going to answer these questions. So I started to tell my story and just like I was telling you about going through high school and the rest, IVC, Long Beach State, girlfriend and all that. And then it was the strangest feeling as I was telling the story near the end of it, I started feeling this void, uh, something like an empty feeling. Uh, it was re really, really strange. And so I'm just kind of like, all right. And I finished my story and then on to the next person. And, you know, in Peanuts, when like it's like yeah. womp, 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 when somebody's talking, that was yeah. what was happening. The rest, because I was sitting with this feeling, I'm like, wait. Then I started to kind of answer the next question in my own reflection, in my own head, just being like, God, is this what you're calling me to? And what is this feeling? Like, why am I feeling so empty? Why am I feeling this void when everything that I was wanting to work for everything that I saw as successful as I saw myself doing, I'm doing, but yet at the same time, I'm empty. Let me pause you for just a moment. I want to make sure I've drawn mm -hmm. attention to what you, you just did. Yeah. You've spent the last, well, the first 15 minutes and then the last five talking very objectively about a very secular way of looking at the world. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, that second layer of, right. of God's presence in our world <laughs> comes out. It's like the first time you've really mentioned it that way. I mean, yeah. you kind of acknowledged it here and there. But mm -hmm. Very interesting how 
you had at that moment a sudden recognition of the role of God in your life in a way that you couldn't ignore. Right. And you couldn't quite mesh, it sounds like, with mm-hmm. your current plans. Because mm-hmm. it sounds like your current plans were secular. Mm-hmm. They were all about how do you become a very successful mm-hmm. um, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> you know, in self-based, but not in a self-absorbed, you know, way. But it was just like, this is what I was thinking. And at the same time, even though I was very involved with the youth, I went to Mass every Sunday. But it wasn't like I had this deeper relationship with God, right? It was yeah. much more heady. Uh, it was like kind of by the book for lack of better phrasing you know, of it. And it was like, okay, you know, I understand. I have to go to mass. But that know, every void Sunday you and, mentioned is just yeah. so real the way you describe it. Right. Which is where I think at that moment was where really, I would say the first time in my life where there was the depth to that reflection or a depth to where God kind of hits me in that moment. I mean, there was the whole moment of, of course, receiving the sacraments and everything yeah. that's initiated, you know? So this is kind of more on, you know, on my own accord and in that reflection and now being, in my mind, a mature, at least a little bit more mature adult. See, I'm of the opinion that the seven sacraments are the ones we deal with. Mm -hmm. But there's other sacramental engagements. Every time Jesus comes and touches you, it's a sacrament. Right, right. Somehow in here, he's, he's, the the call is Mm -hmm. a sacrament. Right, and using that whole aspect of sacrament, we know that there's categories of the seven sacraments, right? So you have the initiating, then you have the healing and then you also have the vocational you know the vocational sacraments are matrimony and holy orders and of course naturally we're tended towards matrimony in that uh, holy orders then takes on this whole other supernatural uh, discernment that uh, is playing into that so i think that's where my supernatural moment you know was wow. where in that vocational aspect particularly in the sacraments he came and he kind of touched me in that moment to be like okay i want you to think about this wow. other you know, side of it. I, I'm, I'm kind of blown away by the way you just said that, because what you're essentially saying, if I'm hearing you right, any fool can take on the, the, the discernment toward marriage because it's right. a natural discernment process. Mm-hmm. Our hormones, our bodies, our lives mm-hmm. are geared much, to, yeah. toward that. Mm-hmm. So maybe I shouldn't be so flippant about it, but it, it no. it's a more natural progression. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is to open oneself up and allow oneself to be opened Mm-hmm. to the supernatural can be an overlay that can take someone who otherwise would have been very comfortable going into a married life, mm-hmm. but to call them, to allow themselves to embrace the call right. to a, a deeper embrace of God through the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would wow. even say that that would even be on a grander scale of vocation itself. As we know, vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means call. And we get it twisted sometimes. And actually, I talk about a lot of this in my talks with youth or, um, you know, wherever I go and talk vocations, that we get it twisted where we take on a kind of a secular understanding of what it means to be successful in your life is to concentrate on your career. What you do is who you are or what you do will give you meaning and value you know, in your life. So a lot of times what happens is that we take that into our faith or even into our discernment as well, thinking that, okay, if I discern specifically married life or religious, you know, diocesan life, then I will figure it out. But no, we have to go back a whole nother step to understand that the initial call that God gives to us, our initial vocation is to know, love, and serve him. And I would say even in kind of that order, you know, a lot of times, right? I will know and love, they interchange. But then once you get to know that, and you fall in love with Jesus, then you can figure out how you serve, right? That's so a, That's an amazing... 
it reminds me of Matthew 28, the Great Commission, mm-hmm. where you yeah, have the three yeah, steps right, that yeah. are there. Yeah, and right, they're laid right. out very specifically to, <laughs> you know, to do those three things and in that order. And mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so you were there. You were yeah. for the first time really contemplating what is God's call in all of this? Mm-hmm. What happened next? Yeah. So after that, like I said, I just kind of got into this weird, you know, quagmire, just being like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I don't know what I'm thinking. What is going on? What am, what am I feeling? What does this mean? Do I leave everything behind? So I ended up just taking a little bit of a personal break. And well, actually, no, I, after that, a priest actually came and he sat in with us, the chaplain of the, uh, the whole, uh, vocations retreat, which is Father Ben Tran. And he, so he's responsible for me where I am, you know, today as a priest. And blame him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to bl- yeah, blame him. And so he came to the group and he sat down with us, which on one level was he captured me right away for two reasons. One is a Vietnamese priest, a young, oh no, a young priest. Okay. One. The second was he's a Vietnamese American priest, yeah. which means a Vietnamese American born priest, I should say. Which for me, in my whole life as a Catholic, most uh, or if not all of the Vietnamese priests that I had interfaced with had these amazing stories about how they were uh, boat people coming over from the war and had this like just amazing story of how they came over here. Our own associate bishop. uh, Right. Yeah. yeah, Bishop uh, Thomas, you know. And so I'm with that backdrop, all of a sudden seeing him, it was just kind of odd for me, frankly. And then he yeah. came and sat down and he just shared his story. And there were two things from his story that captured me. One was how much he mentioned that the priesthood was so fulfilling for him, which, you know, it, it definitely captured me. I, but I found that over the course of my discernment, ever since that vocation seed was planted, that it was the second thing he brought up, which was that he grew in his love for God, and he then realized how big God's love was for him. And that was something that I was like, wow, that's so powerful. So in kind of one phrase, he experienced the love of God, the Father, which I was desiring. And so from that, that's when it really started to hit home. And you know, I started to think about it, and that's where I took that little personal space that I needed. I Actually, right before lunch, I kind of stepped off to the side. So let's and, see, he hit you with love and service. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty simple things, right? You know. Yeah. So, but, yeah. but at the deepest yeah. level, they're the most profound things to oh, hit you. For wow. sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, how long before you you made a phone call to somebody and said, "Hey, I need some help here"? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I mean, at the time, as I mentioned, I was at this point where there was just so much going on, you know, in my life with college and girlfriend and transferring job, all the rest. So at first I was a little hesitant to be like, okay, I'm going to just drop everything. So it was a challenge. You know, at first I didn't really know who to go to. And actually the first person I told was my mom, uh, because my mom, she is my rock, sure. my fortress, my stronghold as we hear in scripture. You know, yeah. I know that's for God, but for me in a very human yeah. way, it was my mother because she brought me the faith. She introduced me to God. So the first person I knew to go to was my mom. So that evening, we had a little reversal of roles. I came home early <laughs> from my date with my girlfriend because I was just like, I need to tell her this. My mom was out with her friends, and here I am pacing the room, pacing the house, <laughs> waiting for her to come home. And she eventually comes home, and I just lay upon her the story. At first, ca- like 
college kid waiting for mom has news to tell. That can go in 20 million <laughs> different directions, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. So she was completely just, okay, she was bracing for the worst, you know. Right, yeah. And so I sat down with her and just laid it on her. And at first she was, she told me later on, she said, I needed to keep my cool because I was like, I was so ecstatic, but at the same time, I didn't want to feel that I needed to pressure you into this decision. So she gave me the two best advices in the world was one, go and pray about it. You know, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Cause you know, <laughs> All right, I'm God, a very, what are you saying to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I'm a much more logical uh, computer engineering, you know, so Never logical, <laughs> you know, exactly. I think everything systematically. So I was like, oh yeah, you know, maybe I'll pray about it. And then she said too, why don't you go back and talk to that priest? And I was like, okay. So I ended up going, ba- uh, going into prayer, you know, for one and going back to the priest, uh, to talk more about it. And that's where it started to develop. And then that's where he introduced me to the vocations director which is really the avenue where all men go to really discern that call. I mean, of course, you want to go to your local priest and because priests There's know that. There's a lot of people that you need to go talk to. Yeah. But that is going to be a necessary step. Exactly. Wow. Okay. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we just spent the last half hour talking about your call. I can't believe it's been a half hey, hour gonna, already, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to be talking like now, minutes. when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about how this not only affected your life, but how it's affecting lives that are coming to the church. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Father Brandon Dang, and he is the vocations director here at the Diocese of Orange. And he's a young man. He's uh, in his early 30s. He's been a priest for about five years. And he has been sharing his call, which on the surface sounds so ordinary, but if you think about it, pretty profound, opening up almost unexpectedly mm-hmm. to the movement of God for really a first time at such a deep level in his life to answer the question, what are we doing? And the answer to that has changed his life and is in the process of changing many more. And we will find out how it might change yours when we come right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you in beautiful Garden Grove, California, at Christ Cathedral, where we are talking with Father Brandon Dang, who is the vocations director here at the Diocese of Orange. And Father, we've been talking about your call, and you were essentially a normal, I'm sorry, you sound almost geeky, <laughs> kid coming through, oh, very much. <laughs> doing the, 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 the computer science type of, of direction, wanting to be a, having hopes and dreams to be a regular, successful father and husband, mm-hmm. when an unexpected uh, request for transportation to a <laughs> retreat caused you to think deeply about where you're going, yeah. and it changed your life. You went to prayer because mom told you to. Yeah. And you went back to that priest because mom told you to. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny though? Her directions are very close to Mary's because she told you get back to prayer and get back to the priest. Well, Mary's was do whatever he tells you. Mm -hmm. That was John chapter two. Amen. And that's what your mom basically told you. Mm -hmm. So how did it play out from there? Everything went smoothly? Um, I guess that's relative in a certain way, but (laughs) I think, for the most part, I mean, I had my struggles, but I would say relatively smoothly for me. But um, with any story, there's always a struggle, you know, as well. I think one on one level, the struggle of just now drastically changing my life, which, again, at that point, it wasn't a surefire thing yet, right? And so I started talking to the priest just to get, 
an eye into what the priesthood is, right? I mean, you we have a lot of times the scope of priesthood, but it was really important for me, uh, again, being as analytical as I am, just to really look into what is the priesthood. So that's when I reached out to back or back out to Father Ben, and he really journeyed with me along the way. Actually really taught me how to pray, introduced me to a holy hour before the Blessed Sacrament, which, I mean, we did so at retreats, but you don't really take that in. So Catholics that was very powerful. Who, Catholics who are kind of jack Catholics, and I'm a convert, mm-hmm. so I get to watch this kind of from 20,000 feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the idea of doing meditative prayer, something other than an Our Father and a Hail Mary and a, and a, and a Glory Be, uh, your standard big three when you go to yeah, confession, sure. <laughs> the idea of actually coming to a deep contemplative prayer Mm-hmm. Is something that's often very foreign to a lot of Catholics, yeah. despite the fact it's become more and more common. But it's right. almost like it's at a second level yeah. for Catholics that are beginning to go through. And he mm-hmm. introduced you to that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I, it's definitely taken on a lot of um, headway. And actually, that is a almost a staple in my discernment meetings that I have with uh, young men. And uh, we're also looking at uh, young women who are discerning the call to religious life, you know, as well, collaborating with my counterpart, Joan Patton, uh, who is an apostolic oblate in the office as well, but introducing them to spend this intimate time with the Lord. And I think on one level, it was almost a human thing that I desired because there's so much noise out there, right? Even just with our phones and our smartphones, our computers and technology and everything, for me to enter into that space where it was just calm, silent, without so much noise, it was very, it was something that pulled me in. And then on top of that, of course, being before the Blessed Sacrament, who in his true presence is all there, body, blood, soul, and divinity, was something that he was just filling me up. So I think on a very human level, I, I desired that peace and that quiet, though it was uncomfortable, obviously, at first. But well, then on the spiritual level was that intimacy with him. I think also uh, on the level of uh, spiritual comfort, when you're praying in our Father, sometimes we can almost get in the mode of throwing a prayer at God, right. where it's under our control, <laughs> it's unidirectional mm-hmm. toward God. We're not yeah. expecting the, the reply. Right. When you sit before the Blessed Sacrament, you're inviting that reply. Mm-hmm. It really is a different experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. And he speaks very loudly. And um, you know, there's many different versions of how this is said, but uh, they say God speaks the loudest in silence. You know, and he and he really does, or his, uh, you know, his native language is, is silence, and uh, it's so true. Like I remember at the seminary, we had this Blessed Sacrament Chapel where a lot of the guys frequented, which you definitely saw that there was fruit in that. And one statistic I'll throw out there, which was this was about maybe three years ago, uh, it was a CARA study, which. Uh, stands for the Center of Applied Religious Apostolic. Oh gosh, I have to double check. It's out of Georgetown. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's so, their research arm. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's their research arm, and uh, they usually do a survey out to all those who are uh, professing their final vows or receiving ordination. They ask about all these different questions, like you know, uh, did your family raise you as Catholic, or you know, what were you practicing you with the priest gene? Right, yeah. exactly. And so one of the things was. They said it was up in the 80th percentile, 80th or 90th percentile, saying that adoration had a a huge part in their vocation, 80 to 90 percent. And so as I was, again, going to the (laughs) drawing board. Back to my (laughs) notes. Right, 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 right. Exactly. And so I was looking back at that and starting to develop the discernment meetings. I was like, how can I not have this, you know, as a part of the holy? And not so much as a way to... Say like, okay, if you go to a holy hour, you're going to be called to being a priest or a nun. No, no, no. It's 
that you spend the time with the Lord to help you to understand more deeply your call. So I was this like, why is, not have it? This is a fascinating time to be talking about it, too, yeah. without going into some of the politics sure. that's going on out there right yeah. now. But just the nature of what the Eucharist is, what it, what it, mm-hmm. who the Eucharist is, yeah. is something that I think sometimes has gotten lost in the Catholic shuffle back and forth and some sure. of the... And so some of the, the things that are going on out there right now, it's... Um, some of the politics involved can right. be distracting. Mm-hmm. What you're describing is a real encounter with Jesus Christ. Right. And it's not just because there's a piece of bread that's there. It's no. because there is a vehicle for God to be present. Right, right. In a way that's different. Kind of like, you know, God's present with us all the time, but when he walked around as the man Jesus 2,000 years ago in Israel, you really encountered him in a different way that you really mm-hmm. will at the other way. Right. And it's, it is different. Mm-hmm. And this encounter at this Eucharistic adoration was very different for you, and so you incorporated into what you do with the men that come to you. Oh, very much so. And then even in my own personal prayer life, like, um, you know, Archbishop Fulton Sheen was all about the holy hour, and so that definitely has played forward as well and integrated, you know, within what we do specifically with the, you know, the Eucharist and um, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. And, you know, actually that kind of segues back into, you know, the original question you asked there, Rick, about, you know, what had happened, you know, after that. And it was this moment with the Eucharist. And really, I would say it's even a challenge for all Catholics out there, my dear friends, is, you know, go back to the source and summit. You know, if you're struggling with faith, go back to your source and summit, which in the catechism, the source and summit is what? It's the Eucharist. And so for me, I remember there was one t- it was the moment in my life where I felt like it was the true crossroads, you know, um, I was at pretty much like at the five and the four or five, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm like, all right, which, which way do I go? And so, cause I got to a point where it actually started taking a toll on my relationship, started taking a toll on academics in a way where I wasn't as focused, you know, it wasn't like I was passing classes, but I was just, it was so confusing for me yeah. because it's like, okay, if I have this tug in my heart, can I really put my full heart and soul into what I'm doing now? And so there was this huge struggle. And one day I went to Mass, the Eucharist. And before the Mass, I prayed to God. I was like, Lord, you have me in the most difficult position. Um, why didn't you just have me have one? It was a bad choice and a good choice. It was a, that's easy. That's easy to choose, you know? <laughs> I but you can for you two yeah, ways. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, at least one bad one good. It'd be easy for me to do, but you're putting two goods in front of me. This is going to be difficult. So... I know you're not supposed to pray like this, uh, but I did. And I said, you Lord, you get, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Threw it out there. And I said, Lord, let it be dead you, with the ground dry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I said, Lord, you give me a sign. Like you give me a sign. I'll do whatever it is wow. you want me to do. And so be careful what you pray for because, <laughs> you know, when, when, what, what's that scripture, Pastor? If you knock, you know, the door will open, yeah. ask and you will receive, right? And so I received that mass and it was something so powerful to this day i don't think any words can be able to capture what i experienced it was mystical for sure and again i think already what i've been talking about is i'm a very you know very analytical very matter of fact or i look at things very tangibly you know um so there's this beautiful experience i had with the elevation uh when the priest held up the host and the consecrated host and the consecrated wine and it was this peace that i felt that I never felt before. And almost, it was overwhelming where actually when it happened, I wanted to like run out of the church, you know, because when 
It happened during the elevation of a the very Eucharist. disturbing piece, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It was one of those, a you know, piece that passes understanding. <laughs> yeah, very much. And yeah, it was definitely beyond my understanding. And I, it was like when the host went up, like I had this beautiful experience when it uh, lowered, it kind of subsided, and then it happened again. So I was just like, wait, what is going on? And again, the practical side of me started to think like, okay, is this a new effect, you know, in the church? Is there somebody in the back playing with a light switch or something? Or you know, whatever it is. And or somebody turned on the AC, like what just happened? But yeah, and then I just realized, wow, this is something deep. And after the Mass, I prayed about it. We call those signal graces. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Holy Spirit moments, signal graces. Yeah. It was those that moment where at, at the Mass, I asked the Lord. I was like, Lord, what was that, you know, experience? And he basically kind of told me, that's your sign. You Smack asked for it. The head. Yeah, you <laughs> asked for it. You got it. And then I started to think about it more. And then the scripture passages uh, where he calls his disciples, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And that's when... It very, became very clear to me that God was calling me to at least enter into the seminary, to discern the call to be a priesthood, or at least to jump in like the disciples did. And the two most beautiful uh, signs that he gave me were priestly. One, that scripture passage, word, you know, the breaking open the word, which was that scripture passage, right, which is the call of his first priest. And then he uses the Eucharist. And I'm like, okay, you can't be any more obvious <laughs> And then, of course, I had to go through the, you know, the motions of changing my, you know, major completely, uh, moving kind of, okay, I need to f finish off this chapter, maybe finish off some general education credits before I head into the seminary. I had to break it off with my girlfriend, cause that, which was one of the hardest things to do. Then my family, I had to, you know, inform them. My brother was going to high school at the time. Uh, my parents had just separated. So, you know, here I am trying to take care of the household wow, so family struggles going on and transitional yeah. issues going on oh yeah yeah there was just all this stuff and so you can imagine the confusion you had the hardship love for your that. girlfriend yes um, and mm -hmm. didn't want to hurt her exactly so that's when you, you say struggle a, it's smooth have you kept a, a rest of her at all or do you know what happened yeah we um we keep in touch from time to time and uh, you know at first it was obviously Did very difficult yeah. i know that she's with somebody okay. but um you know, right now we keep in touch a little bit. Okay. Uh, actually, she recovered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She recovered. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, recovered. father, but I she know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's the history of at least my wow. story. And so from that moment, that's when I got more serious about the call. Basically, shifted gears, then had more serious serious conversation with the vocations director, and then lo and behold, because that happened pretty much, I think about six to eight months prior to me entering seminary. So. Yeah, so that's when I all, yeah, it was just rubber meets the road, you know, at that point, wow. and I okay. entered seminary. Now, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about how this can affect other people, because mm -hmm. we've only got really one more section after this, which oh, is sure. really cool. But no, that's, yeah. that, so how long after you finished your bachelor's degree, mm -hmm. entered seminary, how much more training did you do? Where did you go? How long did it take? So I had the seven-year, it took me seven years to complete, you know, the whole formation um, I actually only had a associate's degree, equivalent of an associate's okay. degree, entered and finished my undergrad at St. Patrick's Seminary in oh, okay. Park, which okay. is up in the uh, Bay Area, San yeah. Francisco, yeah. San Jose. Area. Where did you go to seminary? Uh, St. Patrick's Seminary, Menlo. St. Patrick's, okay. In Menlo okay. Park, okay. yeah. I think they just got a new seminary uh, rector. rector up there. That's yeah. correct. He, yeah. he actually came in from... Uh, Father Mark Dodery. Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, we were confreres. He was oh. a couple years ahead of me. 
and uh, and I'm sorry, Father Mark, if you ever listened to this, I haven't <laughs> responded to your letters, but uh, congratulations to you and praying sure for you. Yeah, somehow I do that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Father Mark Doherty, new, new rector, and I actually knew the former rector very well, and of course, you know, me being there. Prior to that, I knew. Sure. Um, so I have a very fond experience of St. Patrick's, for sure. When we come back, I want to ask you then, finally, how does someone who might be thinking themselves, oh, what about me? I'm a student right now in the middle of college and thinking about being a computer science engineer <laughs> who is also beginning to think, God, what are you calling me to do? What do they do? We're talking to Father Brandon Dang, who is the vocations director here at the Diocese of Orange, and we've been talking about his call. When we come back, we'll be talking about yours, and we will be right back. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Father Brandon Dang. And before I go any further, Father, I want to stop and pause for a moment and tell you thank you very, very much for coming in and not only sharing with us your time, but for being so open and candid about your call. And we will use this last 45 minutes against you at our will. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, all on exactly. tape. Oh, where's it's, the contract? I need to sign <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> In all seriousness, they, they, I thank you very much for being uh, willing to be open about how this has, how you were so moved from being just a normal everyday, I'm sorry, I used the expression once before, a geeky kind of guy just going about life, sure. wanting to be successful, wanting to be a husband, wanting to be a father, with all these normal goals that every other young man has, mm-hmm. unexpectedly called at a retreat that you didn't even plan to go to, <laughs> to really reconsider where God is in your life. Because so much of what you had been, it sounded like, was so analytical you hadn't thought about what what are we doing, God? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is this plan for my life? Right. Is it really that technical? Right. And it turns out, no, it, it isn't that technical. It's a little bit deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so for you, it was an empowerment of of an encounter with Christ as a, a recognition of, wow, you really are guiding me in my world. Mm-hmm. Then your sign, of course, with the Eucharist giving you yeah. this overwhelming feeling of comfort with him. Mm-hmm. Kind of a piece that that also was violent, kind of wanted mm-hmm. to drive you sure, away. Sure, sure. But you knew, mm-hmm. and you went forward and found support in the diocese of Orange, and you were able to have support going through. Mm-hmm. So let's pretend for a moment that we might have a couple of listeners who have kids or grandkids, or who happen to be listening, and they are mm-hmm. twenty two, twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. thinking about God. What are you doing in my life? Mm-hmm. We just got through COVID nineteen. I really have an open chance now to rethink what do I want to do. Right. What do you say to them? What would be their trajectory? Mm-hmm. Presuming that it's a normal trajectory, which of course there's no such thing. Right. But yeah, a normal right. trajectory. What would you be telling them is in store for them? Yeah, you know, and first I just wanted to thank you for this opportunity, Rick. Um it's been actually such uh fruitful to be able to reflect on, you know, my own story, a really God's story, you know, and all this, because sometimes we can get caught into the, the wheel, right? And uh, yeah. there's so many things you have to do. And especially with the role that I have, there's also admin as well. So just be able to step back. Here's and, your check sheet. Uh, yeah, we got right, to do this. Right, right. <laughs> box, exactly. Box, box. <laughs> exactly. So it's nice to be able just to reflect with you. So I, I thank you for the opportunity for this. And, you know, in terms of, um, you know, your question, I would just say we've used this word multiple times, and it's a very basic word is openness, you know, and being open. I mean, you look at 
from the very beginning, even from the beginning of time, you know, with the story of Adam and Eve, like, and, well, we know that their unopenness caused, you know, what happened, but the continual openness of their heart and then moving forward to the disciples, you know, as well, like they were just open to receiving the Lord's will. So that's on a much more relationship level with the Lord, you know, but I would even say on a human level, being open with others about it, because First of all, you're not alone. Like a lot of times, I remember when I received this call, I felt like I was alone in it. And it's because it's something so... It took your mind to remind you. There was a priest of this too. Go talk to him. Right. (laughs) It's just like, it's it's odd. I mean, frankly, it's not something that you see very often, right? And I mean, I just go to the restaurant with my clerics on, you know, everybody's like, oh, wow, there's either a priest or they're kind of like, oh, this is different, you know? So... You go in um, October, they think you're, you've got a costume. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, Halloween's in a couple of weeks. Like, what's going on? And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think what ends up kind of naturally happening, because something that is either odd or different, we want to just kind of hold it in, you know. But I think on this level, it's important to be open, which in this case, for my mom, she was inviting me to be open, one, to the Lord by saying pray, yep. and then two, be open with this priest. You know, because he knows. And in a certain way, that's where I tell guys, especially in this role, you know, be open with me. I mean, I'm the vocations director. I'm called like the bishop has called me to be able to hopefully help you to give you the tools for one to direct your vocation. I might not be able to tell that because only God can tell you that, you know, obviously, but at least be able to direct you in that location. You're and in sales. You're not in management. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Even to that. Even to that. <laughs> For sure. So if someone is experiencing what they think is the beginning of a call, contact their parish priest, contact any priest, yeah. and then contact you? I mean, how would... What would be the practical things that they would Right. Well, do? first we have, you know, our social media. One of the projects that we've been trying to work on in this last, you know, couple of years is to bulk up our presence on social media because one of the things that Bishop wanted me to do is that because I have my youth and everything is to use it, right? And, right. Uh, but also how are we going to be able to hit the young people is to know what language they speak, which right now is social media. So we have our, you know, social media feeds on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we even have a YouTube, you know, channel. We, we haven't updated as much, but we have some videos on there of my story, of Joan Patton's story. So, and it's OC Vocations. That's the handle. OC Vocations. Okay. OC Vocations. That's our handle. So uh, on one level, there's that like intro door. Cause I know how nerve, nerve wracking that can be. Sure. So on one level, go to somebody you're comfortable with. Go to a priest you're comfortable with. So that would be because sometimes guys come to the office and it's like, oh, man, this is too formal. Well, let me tell you, like, it's a very informal thing or it's just a conversation. Don't feel like you have to sign on the dotted line when you come into my you're office. You're not coming right? into a used car lot. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not going to try to, yeah. like, make you leave with this car. I'm not yeah. going to make you leave with ordination, yeah. you know, in your Here's hand. Here's your collar. What's your hurry? Right, right, right. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, if. You want to contact me. My phone line's always open. My door's always open. So they can do that through RCBO, the regular mm-hmm. website. That's correct. That's correct. So the, you're on the, the regular website. You're on Facebook. You're on Twitter. You're on Instagram. everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instagram. So if someone is interested in just kind of, they've got the same basic call that you've got. They want to do the normal thing, and all of a sudden, they're getting the what ifs. God, I'm suddenly beginning to realize there really is another level to our world, mm-hmm. and it's not just about he who dies with the most toys wins. <laughs> So, because I don't see too many trailers on their way down to the the graveyard. They can go ahead and contact their priest. They can contact someone that they want to talk to. Mm -hmm. 
I assume they could probably even bring it up once in confession and say, mm-hmm. thinking about this, and the priest oh, might totally. spend a moment or two yeah. chatting about it. Well, God has a very wicked sense of humor, which is the last <laughs> thing I'll, you know, I'll say about like call and stuff like that. Like, you know, you mentioned about geeky. I was also very quiet. I was just a goofball, you know, and, um, but just to think now, like he, because I was afraid of people even, right? Like, I mean, to talk in front of somebody, forget it. Like doing a radio interview. Doing a radio oh show. Yeah, Are you, you kidding go. me right now? <laughs> but, you know, God gives the grace and, and it's, it's quite funny. And then also with the vocation director position too, I remember when I was at my first, because I only finished one parish assignment. I didn't even finish my full parish assignment before I got this position. But all the people at the parish knew that on the weekdays, uh, when we do the petitions, I would always add on, we pray for an increase of vocations of the priesthood and religious life. And so Put when your I money say, where your mouth exactly, is. exactly. <laughs> I felt like when I got this position, God was like, well, you keep asking for it. Why don't you do something about it? You know what? I was like, Oh, geez. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for your, you know, you're probably laughing at me now. So anyways. think of all the friends you're going to have. You're, you get to build your own. You're talking about friending on Facebook or whatever. Well, you get to friend in heaven with a whole bunch of other priests that are moving forward. That's right. So they can go talk to their priest. They can talk to really a whole bunch of different people. It doesn't always have to be a male either. No, I mean, there's sisters out there. There's, you know, there are some sisters who very wisely have seen people who really shouldn't be priests too. <laughs> Hate to say that, Father, but sure. you, you no, know true. that I'm telling the truth there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they might that's it true. might be good to get a, a number of different perspectives. Oh, on totally. Who you are especially from people who yeah. might know you, you like know, and, your mom, <laughs> right? And you know, hopefully, what I say next is it doesn't scare people away, but it's part of the process and something that um, you know we've revamped. You know, over the last uh, two years since I've you know been at the helm here, and I'll preface this by paraphrasing, a quoting, but paraphrasing a document by Pope St. John Paul II called Pastores Dabo Vobis, uh, I Will Give You Shepherds. And it is centered around formation, you know, particularly priestly formation. But I would even say on a grander scale, vocation-wise. And so within that, he talks about how vocation, it needs to be nurtured. But it's not just nurtured by just the bishop, just the vocation director, just the priest. He says... Is the responsibility of the church. And what the church is, is everybody and its members, and her members, I should say. The bishop, the vocation director, the laity, the religious, everybody, you know, that's a part of that. So what I was getting to is that we have an assessment process to help, and this is to help. Psychologists, too. Yes, psycho- yes sure. exactly. You know, across the board. You know, we have psychologists, Which you would counselors, want, because you would priests. Want to know. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is this something that you really are called? Exactly, for? exactly. And again, this is not like some sort of you know job interview process. No, it's not that at all. This is actually to help the individual to see. Okay, you know, you either have the quote unquote tools, or you know, you see as a church, we are recommending you yeah. to either move forward, or you know, we're not saying that. You don't have a call at all. You have a vocation. Yeah. But hopefully now with this piece, you can be able to discern elsewhere. You know, we've, been, we've been working many, many years in psychology with the MMPI and with mm, yes, Myers-Briggs. Yeah. And yes, like yes, 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 yes. Yeah. These are very old, but they still, they're, mm. they're old, but they're tried and true. In oh, my gosh. They're timeless. Because <laughs> they are so classic in asking questions that people need to answer when they answer oh. them. There's not a right or wrong answer. There's yeah. just a personality answer. Oh, totally. That's kind of where these all go. Yeah. We're going to have to to kind of call it quits here. Mm-hmm. Is there any last words, <laughs> any famous last words, <laughs> any, any last words you'd want to give somebody who might be thinking about the priesthood before uh, we ask for your prayer? 
Yeah, I just like I said, just go back to you know being open. Um, and you know, Rick, you and I had a little conversation you know prior to this, and you mentioned the scripture of Matthew twenty eight of you know uh, talking about the Great Commission, right? Yeah. Uh, that God calls each and every single one of us. All of us had a call. All of us are worthy too. That's something I want to make sure to throw out there because in the world today. There's a lot of times where we feel unworthy or we feel that we don't live up to certain expectations of what the world tells us. But the Lord, he just asks for your heart. He asks for your openness. And that's what I invite uh, all men and women out there who are discerning and called to priesthood or religious life and being a nun to really open your heart to that and to that great commission that the Lord gives to us. Thank you, Father, very, very much for that. Would you please lead us in a word of prayer and a blessing? Of course. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, in all things, we give you thanks, and especially this day. And as we reflect on the call, we know that you call us ever closer to know, love, and serve you. Um, and the source and summit of that is um, the Eucharist in your body, blood, soul, and divinity. So whenever we are able to receive you, may we come ever closer to you in that intimate uh, understanding of your will for us because we know that you love us and you care for us. And we pray for, again, an increase of vocations to the priesthood and religious life. And with all this, we lift up in prayer as we pray. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. May Almighty God bless you all, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you again, Father. You have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been Father Brandon Dang, who is the Director for Vocations for the Diocese of Orange. And He's been gracious enough to share his call very intimately. If you like this broadcast and would like to listen to it again, or if you would like to share it with someone else, perhaps to someone who you think might benefit from hearing about Father Brandon and what call has been for him, you can access this by going to Orange County Catholic Radio, OCCatholic.com. At OCCatholic.com, you can go to the radio tab where when you punch that button and when you go to Orange County Catholic Radio, shortly the podcast will be up and you can listen to every one of them or share them with a friend. Once again, you're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howard, your host. Thank you, Father Dang, for being here. And we will see you again next week.